This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening to Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you're all here with me today. We've got a wonderful show in store for you with a fascinating guest. I'm sure you're going to like her. Um, it's going to be a great show. Um, of, uh, and, and did you catch last week's show? I did not get Lama Mike Crowley on my show last week. Unfortunately, he was sick, but we've we rescheduled him for the end of May. So look for that announcement when it comes out. I'm, I'm really looking forward to have uh, Mike Crowley come on the show. All right. So um, let's start off as we do with a little blog post from a couple of years ago. Again, I'm just going through these in order. So let's see uh, how much this may maybe will relate what we end up talking about today. Um, and the title of this blog post is Knowledge is Valuable, but Support is Priceless. There is a lot of information out there information about how to do a lot of things. For some people, that's enough. Yet for most of us, we need something more. For we all know how to do a lot of things, like losing weight or getting in shape. And few of us actually take the steps to do it, to keep to a schedule or to be disciplined enough to do something when we don't feel like it. The curious thing is we will do stuff for other people before we do things for ourselves. If we know we are being held accountable by someone else, we are much more likely to get something done. Even if they are not our boss or coworker, 
just having a friend check in on us and ask if we did what we said we would do can be motivation enough for us to complete a task. Yet left to ourselves, we never finish it. And then we only feel bad about ourselves that we didn't do what we said we wanted to do. Even if we only said it to ourselves, we know what we follow through on and what we know what we followed through on and what we didn't. That is why support and accountability are so magical. Even if we know all the steps, just having someone remind us and check in on us makes all the difference. It makes walking the path so much easier. We become more motivated because we don't feel like we are all alone. Having that kind of support structure is invaluable. Knowing that there is someone there to ask us how it is going is priceless beyond measure. And being able to ask someone a question just to make sure, even if we know what we are doing, helps us to have that touch more confidence we needed to stick to our decision. There are a lot of ways to find information today. Virtually anything we would want to know is online somewhere. Having a community or even an individual to hold our hand and keep us accountable is so precious. Couldn't we all use a little more support and accountability? Is there someone out there that would support you and hold you accountable for something you want to do. So I wrote this blog post and it's, it's, it's an homage actually to my dear friend, Iman, who had come on my show, my first show of the year back in January. Cause he built his whole business around this notion that knowledge is kind of free these days. And especially, Especially now with AI and especially now that like pretty much anything anybody wants to know, you can find online somewhere somehow. So it's no longer really a game of gaining more knowledge. As a matter of fact, there's almost too much knowledge out there. We need to find ways to filter it and categorize it and make it accessible that we can take chunk-sized pieces of it. But really, it's about what are we going to do with that knowledge? How do we take what we've learned and really implement it? And and the most obvious things, of course, is like losing weight. I remember uh, 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 Silver used to say, you know, hey, you want to lose weight? It's easy. Eat less, move more, right? It, it's not a secret. It's nothing so uh, esoteric that we need to understand. But actually doing it, that's where we need the support. And and someone had pointed out long, long time ago to me that, you know, when you have someone checking in just saying, hey, did you do that thing you said you were going to do? Like, we'll rush the night before to go and make sure we get it done because we know that person's going to ask us the next day. But would we do it if that person wasn't there asking us? Would we do it for ourselves? Somehow, just our motivation is just not there as much when there's nobody to work with on it. 
But just knowing that that someone's going to check in on you, that there's that accountability person on the other end of the phone sending you that text saying, hey, you said you were going to get this done by the end of the week. Did you get it done? Just just checking in. It, it, it moves us in such a way. And this is true for all aspects of life. This is why if we want to start a new spiritual practice, we find a group. This is why we want to engage in a new modality of healing. We try and find a group. Community that can hold us and hold the energy of where we want to go. It's so valuable. And especially in this country, we're so brought up in this idea that, you know, doing it all on your own and being an individual. And we forget that we're an individual in the context of a community. And that when we want to get something done, whether it's starting a new meditation practice, losing weight, exercising, being better at public speaking. I mean, just take your pick. It doesn't matter. Anything. It's so much easier when we know that there's support and accountability somewhere around whatever it is we want to engage in that's new. So uh, that's my blog post. Uh, knowledge is valuable, but support is priceless. Uh, and you can find all of my blog posts. There's a lot of them up on the website, talkradio.nyc slash blog. And you can also find it on my own website, theconsciousconsultant.com. So, um, now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the show, witch, druid, psychic medium, Sally Crow. Sally Crow. Um, is a natural psychic medium who carries on the magical traditions of her Irish traveler and Blackfoot heritage. With over 30 years of professional experience in the psychic arts, she offers psychic readings for individuals and groups and teaches workshops throughout the U.S. and internationally. She lives in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, right up near the border. Her latest book, Spirit Seeker, A Medium's Guide to Death and Dying, is a compassionate and straightforward guide to the spiritual process of death and spirit communication. Seeking to normalize the spiritual aspects of end-of-life care, she explains how active dying exists outside of normal reality in a state in which the dying person and their caregivers often experience a heightened state of consciousness. I really look forward to this conversation. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Sally Crow. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I'm just curious, what sort of got you started on this spiritual path? Was this something that was just in your household that you were raised with? Was there a particular incident that happened when you were younger that got you to say like, oh, like there's something more to this world than I thought? Yeah. Um, so... My parents were very young. My father was just out of Vietnam and my mom was actually a teenager. And so my father had been raised by his grandmother. So my great grandmother ended up being a huge part of my childhood. 
And she was a person who had psychic abilities. She didn't call it that, um, but people went to visit her to buy worms for fishing or to get some of her food, but really they were coming and they were sitting down and visiting with their dad. They were getting simple medicines because she was an herbalist. They were having readings done. Um, Myself and one of my sisters, who's a year and a half younger than me, both had significant gifts from early, early childhood. My first experience Mm. with spirit technically happened when I was three months old and was more of a story I was told about how my father's mother had visited me. And my grandmother had been told by my spirits that I would be a medium. So I was being taught from the time that I can remember. And sometimes it was really simple, like spirits talk to you, Sally, it's okay. It was a lot of games. Um, it was it was definitely an interesting childhood, and mm-hmm. I didn't think anything was unusual about it, and because it was she would just make it so normal. So even going to school when teachers started talking about imaginary friends, I just figured she was talking about the other kids having imaginary friends, not mine, because mine were seen by my grandmother, mine were seen mm-hmm. by my sister, so there wasn't a lot of need for faith in it. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot right. of like, we're all having this experience. So here we go. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and did you keep that connection like through high school and college? Cause I, I know many psychics who like were born with that ability, but then when they discovered like other kids didn't have it, they kind of shut it down in order not to be the weird one in school. No, I was always really cool at being weird. Yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> But no, I, uh, by the time that my grandmother died when I was 12, and then I started, you know, um, doing my own kind of research on numerology, dreams, um, spirit communication, mostly through form of a Ouija board at that point with my friends, but I was the one who the spirits always wanted to talk to. Um, And then by the time I was 18, I was working professionally, um, not full time, but I was doing professional readings for the public as a psychic reader, not as a medium. That didn't happen. I didn't feel comfortable with that until I was about 30. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, you, from what I understand, you consider yourself a witch and a druid. Did that practice kind of develop alongside all of this or did that develop later? Yeah. My grandmother never would have called herself a witch. Her father was an Irish traveler. Her mother was Native American. And so these were just really normal. The words like psychic and witchcraft never came into the discussion. Gotcha. Um, but I started studying Wicca when I was 23. I don't consider myself Wiccan, but I did study it. Okay. And I, first book I was telling my husband the other day, the first book I ever read on witchcraft, I read it and I was like, I do all of these things. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I want to do this. It was like, oh, wait a minute. I do this. Uh... Um, so yeah, and Druidry, I started studying when I, after I'd had my major opening to spirit, but I knew I had past life memories of being a Druid, and I literally just knew that was what I was supposed to do. So when I saw a poster for it somewhere, I was just like, I need to go do this training. And mm. it was a very, it was good. I, I learned a lot about myself through it. Wow, wow. So, so there was really like no 
point in your path where you ever kind of doubted any of this stuff or thought, you know, maybe you're going crazy or oh, any I of that? When I had my major opening to spirit when I was 30, I did quit. I mean, it was like I was already reading for the public. I was already a Reiki mm. master in six schools of Reiki. But my opening to spirit was so profound that if I didn't have the partner that I have, um, I might have checked myself into a mental hospital because it was so um, intense. Yeah. But, you know, I was purposely being trained by five spirits. So it was, I was being put through the, um, the gambit, if you will. Yeah. 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 Through the crucible. Mm-hmm. How about when we come, we got to go out to break. When we come back from break, can we talk a little bit about that spirit opening? Sure. And then, and then we'll get into the your book and and kind of where that came from and why the sort of end of life kind of a uh, uh, mediumship you feel is so important now okay yep wonderful so everyone please stay tuned you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity we do this every thursday 12 noon to 1 p.m eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc all across social media on youtube and facebook and twitter and linkedin Hit Twitch, and we will be right back with our guest, Sally Crow, in just a moment. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with uh, witch druid and psychic medium Sally Crow. So, Sally, you said that um, 
when you were 30, you, you had your big kind of spiritual opening. Can you maybe just give us a little bit of an idea of like what happened right before and what was that experience like for you? Um, well, I am a very much, like when you asked if I've always been involved in this, I am a very dedicated person and I have literally studied the psychic arts my whole life. Like it was my mm. own passion as well. So in my 20s, um, at the time I had my Reiki master in three schools of Reiki. I have it in multiple more since then, but I was working as a psychic. I was working as a healer and I was working on expanding my own consciousness constantly. And I had a moment with, I had always seen spirit if there was a haunted house or if there was spirit around, they, I'd always seen them. They always presented themselves to me. I often would have dreams about them um, when I needed to do something in like, go talk to somebody who's going to die or something. And I called it the November incident because it literally started on November 1st. And I had one of uh, somebody who was close to me kept who, who had passed kept showing up in my on my hitting my radar like i kept hearing their name i kept seeing them i knew that they were trying to communicate with me so that was kind of the start and at the time i had a ouija board in my house so that's what i started with and i but i'd never used it by myself i had all the no fear of spirit but all the superstition that came from 80s movies and scooby-doo yes. and all that <laughs> um but i knew it was a tool so i went and i was like okay what are you trying to tell me and that was actually the beginning of this huge opening and i had a team of spirits um five spirits in particular who were working on you know, they were telling me that that's what I was really supposed to be doing. And I was like, well, I've been reading cards for like 15 years or something, not 15 years. Well, probably close to 15 years at that time. Um, you know, in 10 years publicly at least. And I was like, I can't see that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but it came on hard and strong. They made me look at everything about me. Um, and I was having Kundalini openings regularly that I didn't even know what they were. Mm. The only time I've ever had to have a house call from my Reiki master was during that time period when I was about a month into it. I finally called him and I was like, look, I need you to come up here. And when I met him at the door, I was like, I just need you to listen to me and tell me that I'm not crazy. And he was not a psychic in the way that I was. He had had out of body mm -hmm. experiences most of his life. He was a great healer, but he was not somebody who had precognitive experiences or, um, but he was able to, because he was educated, was able to help me to understand what was happening to me. I actually wrote my first book, Jump Girl, The Initiation and Art of a Spirit Speaker was a book that was my memoir of growing up psychic and of the November incident, what happened. And I wrote about it very in detail. Um, I knew during that time period, they told me that I would write books. They told me I'd be on television. I was like, I live in one of the most rural places in the country. Why <laughs> am I living here? If you have all these expectations for me. Um, but they kept even told me that everything would come to me. And literally I was discovered by um, Robert Simmons, who is a significant person in the crystal world, who came to my house for a reading. And um, 
because he has a business in Vermont and I had been doing work with one of his friends. And so he mm. came for a reading then he came back for another reading. Then he asked me to do a presentation at a big event he was doing. And then he introduced me to um, my publisher. And when I met my publisher, he was visiting Vermont, um, which is uh, Richard Grossinger. And I worked mm. with him in two different publishing houses. And Richard, I went to visit him and I had never written anything more than blogging, but I had blogged for quite a while, but I sat down with him. I did spirit communication for him and he was on line with his publishing house before I was even done. <sighs> so, and I was signed with a contract within like a month. Um, wow. So my story, if people are going through something, I do recommend jump girl because when people mm -hmm. come to visit me now, they literally come with pieces of paper or things underlined and highlighted and what they're highlighting is things that had happened to them, but they didn't know what it was, but because mm. I had the benefit of an education, I could look at these things that happened to me. And then I continued to educate myself. I could look at it and say, this is what this was. And this is actually pretty normal. Um, one of the most beneficial things I had though, that was one of the spirits named Adam was my youngest sister's best friend in life. And he died at 23 years old. Mm. He got malaria and visiting Costa Rica wow. and I had always loved Adam, but I didn't real. I was five years older than my sister. I didn't really know a lot about him. So he was the perfect person because he could tell me things that were like conversations him and my sister had private things about himself that I was able to call my youngest sister and be like, Hey, is this, does this make sense to you? And so I was very fortunate. Mine was something that was planned by me. Mm. Every time they put me through something horrible, Adam would say to me, he'd be like, well, Sally, this was what you wanted us to do. And when he'd say it, I knew it was true because I called my first book Jump Girl because I'm the kind of person who stands on the edge and counts to three and jumps in and hopes I can figure my way out. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so throwing me in gotcha. the fire was what had to happen for me, but it doesn't have to happen that way for everybody. It's right. just, that's right. my personality. I'm curious. You've been doing this a long time. I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in the world, a lot of changes in society. Do you find that when people come to you now for readings or for guidance, that there's a different quality to the questions people ask than there was, say, 10, 20 years ago? I, in the last couple of years, have really noticed. I mean, I've noticed, I talk about the fact that I think we're going through psychic evolution, mm -hmm. and I've been tracking this my whole career. So about 2011, I started to notice an uptick in the amount of people who are having psychic phenomenon experiences. Mm. And that has continued to grow and grow and grow. And these aren't just people who are seeking anymore. These are people right. who, you know, would be happy with going to work, getting together with their family on the weekend, maybe going to a game or going to go shopping or something simple. And they were showing up at my office like thinking they were going crazy. They didn't know what was happening to them. They had never courted this kind of stuff. Right. Um, and in the last couple of years, I have my career changed a lot, like through books and being on podcasts and on Gaia and stuff like that. I have a global, you know, my clients mm. are now over 30 countries. 
And what I find is that I am getting a lot more serious seekers to the point where I started a mentorship program for people who were, you know, who were, which is what I always wanted to do. I hated having to just teach beginner classes over and over Mm. again. I think they're really valuable, but I was like, I want to help people who are want to get more in depth, really want to advance their spiritual practice. So, and that there is, there's a lot, it's a really exciting time to be alive in, you know, as far as people opening their consciousness. Right. Right. So, so speaking of books, I'm just curious from, from all the things you're doing, what kind of inspired you to write your latest book, Spirit Seeker, a medium's guide to death and dying? Cause you know, it's re- interesting. A lot of people have left the planet in the last three years. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are dealing with it, but it's something that I see much more in the conversation than, than there has ever been before. Just talking about death in this society, talking about death is like, no, 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 we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I wrote two, I had two books come out within a year of each other. One of them was huge. That was on elemental witchcraft. And then I wrote spirit Mm -hmm. speaker. My publishers didn't even know I handed it into them done. It's a small book purposely. It's only about a hundred pages. And I did that because it was a book that I wrote for my clients because when people come to me for spirit communication, there were questions that they asked over and over and over mm. again about what happened when somebody died. What happened if the person, you know, was responsible for their own passing? What happened while they were in the process of dying? I kept, I had experiences with spirit when I was taking care of my de- dying loved one. Why did that happen to me? You know, so this book was in many ways was my gift to my clients of trying to normalize the process of death and dying and what they can Mm. expect when it comes to um, what's happening to somebody when they cross over, how are, Mm. you know, what are they experiencing? Mm. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about dying? That we're going to be punished. Ah. Okay. Like I think that dogma is very much responsible for that from multiple different religions. But in my experience as a medium, I have never met anybody who was being punished. I've met people Mm -hmm. who are in what I call timeout. I call it timeout because I think of it like the timeout chair when a kid is naughty. You don't (laughs) sit them there to punish them. You put them there so they can reflect on their actions, so they can see how those actions affected other people. So even when people have done really bad things a lot of times what they're doing is they're having to watch the people that they did the bad things to Mm. having to see the different perspectives and they're but they're doing so through a lens that's more like watching television because when Mm. we die our emotions get turned down so Mm. this makes it so that we can understand a bigger perspective because you know there's a lot of people who are literally drowning in their emotions because they never healed trauma and then when we're in that place we're likely to create more trauma and so when we die i talk about it as a volume dial that um of zero to ten that before we're alive most of us are at three or four some people might be an eight or a nine because they're struggling but when we die that volume gets turned down to about a two Mm -hmm. gotcha gotcha Okay, um, time for us to take another break. But when we come back, um, I, I really want to talk about sort of how to prepare for that 
um, event and and what can people start to do now? Because I know a lot of people who are dealing with aging parents, aging relatives and friends and coworkers. Like what can people do to help them dealing with the process of losing people, loved ones around them? This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay. Sure. Wonderful. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Our guest this hour is Sally Crow, author, medium, druid, psychic, witch, and we will be right back in just a moment. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Were you an essential worker during the pandemic? If you needed to learn stages of epilepsy, did you depend on advocates? Did you use new innovations to cope with mental and neurological issues? Maintaining high quality of life and keeping good mental health are what we all strive for. I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each week, top healthcare influencers, professionals, and innovators answer these questions and more. Stay tuned on Thursdays at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will continue to be frank about health with all of you. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. So Sally Crow, um, these days, you know, between the pandemic, between just, I, I kind of feel like the world is more stressful because things are changing so quickly for people. A, a lot of people are leaving either very suddenly through accidents, through sudden heart attacks or what have you, or even through prolonged illness. How do you counsel the family members of of those people who are losing loved ones, how they can deal with that loss and that grief and not be overwhelmed by it because it feels like it's all around us these days? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
Well, for one thing, I encourage people to develop a living relationship with their dad, mm. which means that the relationship has to change because the person is no longer physically there. And we may not feel them as it, you know, might take us a while to be able to feel them because we have been taught that that's impossible or our, even our own grief can sometimes make it harder for us to receive communication while the woman we work with might be telling us that our dad's with us. We might not be able to see them or feel them because we're blocking it with our grief. So the first thing I usually tell people is to create a sacred space in which they can interact with their dad. So an altar, a shrine. And I talk about the difference between, because I have clients who lock away a room as a mausoleum. This happens particularly mm. if a child dies. Okay? Yeah. The door gets shut. No one goes in there. Everything stays the same. That's unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. It's okay to do that for a short amount of time. But we're never going to move on if we've got that locked mausoleum in our house. And, but we need to have some place where we can recognize this person. And that's why I say like a shrine, an altar. An altar could simply just be a shelf that you put pictures of your loved one on. Maybe some, you know, symbols of your religious belief. Some things that, you know, maybe seashells because they love the ocean. Whatever. It's yours to design. But it's a place where we can regularly sit and talk. And I usually tell people, put a candle on it. Sit for five minutes every day and talk to that loved one. And we will start to heal and we'll start to develop a different kind of relationship. And many people will start to receive some kind of sign that they're being heard. Mm. Okay. The hard part is, is that television and movies exaggerate everything. So yeah. what is subtle in a movie is can't be subtle for us all to get it. And so I tell people, it's not going to be big flashing lights. There's not going to be, you know, this, you know, sometimes there can be things that are rock your world, but for the most part, it's going to be simple things that remind us that that person is around. The other thing that I think is super important in seeking that communication is to take the words like maybe, kind of, and think so out of our vocabulary mm. because people write off their experiences all the time. They say something like, I think I just saw my grandmother out of the corner of my eye. And I'm like, well, why don't you say that without the word think in it? And then, and then they mm. say, I saw my grandmother out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, well, how do you feel about that? And they're like, I saw my grandmother. So mm. we have trained ourselves to approach spiritual experiences with doubt. Yeah. But what would make you suddenly when you're in the middle of doing something, think that your grandmother was standing in the corner of the room. To me, it's more logical that she's standing in the corner of the room than you just suddenly while you were making dinner thought about that. Right, right, right. Because it's out of the normal. So there has to be something to kind of instigate that experience that that's out of context from where you are in that moment. Exactly. And also people don't realize, but like our sense of smell is one of the major ways in which people have experiences with spirit. Oh, you know, we don't question our olfactory senses. Um, in fact, one of the things when I was picking my father up from the airport at one point, 
and he got in my car and he's like, I don't know what it is, but the older I get, the more I smell like Graham. And I'm like, dad, you don't smell like Graham. You're smelling Graham. His logical brain told him <laughs> that he was starting to smell like an old lady. And I'm like, that's not what's happening. But people will do that. They will come up with this. Well, maybe it's this instead of, you know, thinking outside that box. The other part that's important to remember is that it's really only a modern concept that we can't have communication with our dead. So many cultures still yeah. have things woven into it, into their religious beliefs about honoring their dead, communicating with their dad. This is actually normal. That's how I was raised, that it was normal to expect that our loved ones would be around us after they passed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just even look at, at indigenous cultures around the world that are relatively, you know, been able to keep their traditions and relatively untouched by modern society, they all believe in, in communicating with the ancestors and, and yeah. that, that the, the, their loved ones who've passed are there with them all the time. And this is not just, you know, some indigenous cultures in one place. This is around the globe. Right. I um, have had three Japanese exchange students when my kids were in high school. Oh. And the second one we had was really good at English. So he, they would sleep in my healing room at the time. And after looking at all the books I came, had, he came down and he told me, he's like, you're like a Shinto priest. Uh, that was how he related to yeah. what I did because they heal, they honor their ancestors, they sometimes know things. And so we just, you know, I think that modern culture with television and movies has made it so that things are either way blown out of proportion or they don't exist. You know, so if we're not, ha you know, like we, they're make-believe. They've been yeah. you know, disnified, if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's interesting. In the last few years, I've, I have a couple of friends who've become death doulas mm -hmm. who, who kind of help with that process of dying. And, you know, when I think about it, I've actually come to appreciate some of the rituals around dying you know being jewish you know we sit shiva and we're supposed to sit, sit shiva for seven days but then after that it's done you're not supposed to mourn anymore and and i never really appreciated the value of that kind of ritual has are there any rituals you would recommend to people to help them when they know someone is is getting ready to pass well first of all your own spiritual and religious beliefs are super helpful. They have been created by different cultures and religions in order to help people with that. Um, crying, you know, like mm. I'm primarily Irish and we, you know, like keening is an old tradition from Celtic countries where people, and I, I was thinking about it the other day because I do that a lot. I cry so easily that I could be that person for somebody like, when they, a lot of people don't know how to mourn. And mm. I recently went to a funeral for a young woman that I helped cross and she was very tragic. She had been um, in a bad accident two and a half years before. She was a theater person. So wow. her ceremony was at a theater and wow. they sang show tunes, her favorite show tunes. And the second person who got on the stage could not control herself from crying and 
the other people had to come out and help her sing. But mm. this affected the crowd in exactly the same way that Keening would. Everybody was bawling. Mm. And people who didn't always give themselves permission to mourn. Mourning is super important. Like you're saying, like, we have to, like saying seven days of intentional mourning that means you are looking at this loss. You're not hiding it. It's not, you know, two weeks of casseroles awake in a funeral and you're supposed to be okay. There's actually something that acknowledges that you're not going to be okay. And yeah. Not being okay is perfectly normal. Right. Right. Yeah. That was one of the things I remember. Oh God, it was years ago, but I remember someone saying to me how when, when, somebody had lost someone and they came to them that like everyone kept saying, Oh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And the guy said, no, you're not going to be okay. Yeah, it sucks. They're gone. Okay. And that hurts. And that acknowledgement, I think, and that validation helped that person more than anyone saying, Oh, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I tell my clients not to make any major decisions or large purchases for at least nine months. Yeah. And yeah that it's, they're going to have to recreate, especially if it's a big loss, like a loved one that you have a personal relationship with, everything about your life is going to change because that person is no longer going to be influencing the way that you think, the way that mm. you act. There's a change that's going to happen for you that's going to be different. You're not going to be the same person after going through a major death. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Do you still sometimes have a hard time when a relative, a loved one crosses over? I do. Um, my father passed in 2012 and right. I was there, you know, for his passing, which was beautiful. And my dad is a super active spirit, but I still found that the parts that I miss is not being able to get a hug. Mm. Not, and I still have my father's sarcasm and his personality in my head regularly. He speaks up, okay. um, but there's the physical aspect yeah. that of somebody taking up space in our life that we will we will miss no matter what. Even if we are the best medium out there, we're not going to be able to have that full fleshed out feeling of that person being in our life and. You know, I actually got pneumonia after my father passed and pneumonia is very common um, for grief that we haven't expressed. Yeah. So yeah. Cause it affects was, the lungs. Right. Yeah. So that was, uh, made me have to take the time out I needed. Cause I was like, well, I can handle this. I'm a medium. And then I ended up with, well, guess what? You're laying on your couch for the next week and a half. And <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I oftentimes when I hear people say like they, they get sick, I'm like, yep, yeah, your body is trying to give you a big message. You better listen to it. Yeah. And sometimes the message is just slow down. Sometimes the message is you need space to deal with something right now. Especially grief. We want it to be yeah. easy and it's not always quick and easy. But, matter of fact, it rarely is quick exactly. and easy. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. It's time to take our last break of the show. When we come back, I'm wondering if maybe you might ask Spirit if they have any messages for our audience. And this is for people listening live or people listening to the recording after the fact, because the world is changing so quickly. A lot of people are lost and confused. 
So sometimes I think some comforting words from spirit can be very supportive and helpful. Sure. Wonderful. Thank you, Salakro. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Our guest this hour has been Sally Crow, and we will be right back to wrap it all up in just a moment. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to the hard skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. so funny because during the break i was checking in with the engineer saying hey no 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 chats today like usually there's lots of comments and then sure enough loyal listener sanaya who, who t- tunes in every week said uh thank you sally crow and she'll catch the repeat i guess uh, she got a little busy so there's so many challenges in the world today from the environment to political upheaval and war um, it feels like humanity is getting squeezed sometimes. I'm wondering if uh, spirit has anything to help us through these challenging times. Sure. So one of the things that I get from spirit regularly is the reminder that we are here on purpose. Mm. That I, my dad was a Marine, so I use the term we're boots on the ground. Um, <laughs> and what that means is that we are not here haphazardly, especially the people who might be listening to your show or the people who I have experienced working with. We came in to be part of the change. The darkness is not forever. Mm. And that our role is to be the light in that darkness, you, me, and as well as your listeners, even if we are that light for one other person, there's a belief that 
these are end times. A lot of people like to think of that, but I think of it as end times and the way that I get it from spirit is that it's end times in the sense of the tower in the tarot cards. Mm. The end is not the end. It is an end. We yeah. are living at an end of a human cycle. And, right. and then we each have a lot more ability or power or intuitive skill in us than we have been taught to believe and that we need to start holding on to that piece we need to start trusting ourselves more that our spirits are not abandoning us at this time that they're standing with us it's one of the reasons why so many people are having psychic experiences because we need mm. to be able to at least have the feeling of our beloved dead with us so that we don't feel like we're walking alone. Right. There's, and then one of the big things that I'm getting right now is that there's more good in the world than there is bad, but the bad speaks louder. Yes. Yes. It's just what the media focuses on. It is. And that's why things like what you're doing mm -hmm. is so important because we need to have more people who are speaking up and being the light, more people who are you know choosing to share that piece of it instead of, i think of it as like we're letting the world be ruled by bullies yeah yeah okay that's a good way of looking be ruled by bullies who threaten us at every chance they get and that if we look back at all of the times that we wasted in fear and how many of those fears ever came to be mm -hmm. that's the other reminder that spirit is giving is like we have to be careful with how we program our mind right now. And that means being careful about how much you choose to expose yourself to, you know, news productions that focus on hate and violence and thinking of it as just as important to our health as it is for us to eat a balanced diet. We have to have yeah. a balanced diet of what's going into our minds that, and also really that we're not alone, that yeah. we are not alone, any of us. I actually was just talking about this with um, one of the clients I saw right before I came on here with you, because she actually is getting into the death business. That was what her whole reading ended oh. up being about. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about is that in my experience, all of the haunted stories are way exaggerated. And yeah. even... The, if your uncle ends up on the street and dies as a homeless person, he will still have somebody waiting for him when he dies. Hmm. Our family ancestors, our personal spirits, there is always somebody waiting for us. And yes, sometimes people do get stuck, but that is so rare. Yeah. And again, it's one of the exaggerated things that comes yeah. through. Yeah. yeah I just yeah, keep yeah. getting that spirit doesn't abandon us. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Even people abandon us. Spirit is always there with us. Yes. Uh, I'm curious, what does the future hold for Sally Crow? You have more books you're working on? Um, I have a manuscript that has to be turned in at the end of the month. Um, mm. My next book is on tarot as the storyteller. And uh -huh. it's about psychic development and particularly around cartomancy, oracle cards, tarot, and... Um, you know, playing cards, but it's got a lot of psychic development tips in it. And I've started a mentorship program that's for people who are a little more advanced in their psychic studies, 
where I do evaluations on where we see their strengths as being the highest and help them to come up with something that takes them to the next stage that they want to be at. So mm. that's where my work has been moving into. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, listen, when your next book comes out, I'd be honored to have you come back on the Thank show. So it was a wonderful conversation. Even our engineer said, can't believe it's almost the end of the show. It felt like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to tell people that when I was a kid, my school report cards always said, Sally is a very good student, but she talks too much. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I like to say they didn't know what I was training to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was all preparation. It was all preparation. So right. if, if people want to learn more about you, get in touch with you, what's your website? How'd they find you? My website is sallycrow.com, S-A-L-I-C-R-O-W.com. And you can get in touch with me there. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And in March, I will be launching my Patreon page and starting with YouTube. I've just got a lot of fires in the iron at the, you know, irons in the fire at the Uh, moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, And and one last question. The name Sally Crow, where does it come from? Um, So Crow is a spiritual name attached to my family. Okay. And I have used Sally Crow as my spiritual name for most of my adult life. Um, but I made it publicly actually after going to Ireland and being locked out of all of my social media pages. Cause I, t- it was in 2013. The only place I could get on the internet was in a public library. And so all my social media, like just was like, no, mm. like you back in. So I started everything back up again with my spiritual name and, which was a good move because my husband's French, his name is Noel Tetro. So like you can imagine the vowels and yeah. Um, Crow was a lot easier. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I had that experience with Facebook too. Ended up having to hire a lawyer to get my Facebook account back. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't far enough in that it mattered that much to me that I was going to get a lawyer, but it is, it can be a real, like people don't realize like you got to be careful because the platform that you're building on doesn't actually belong to you. You, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Sally Crow, it has been wonderful. It's been an honor and a pleasure. If you ever make it down to New York City, I would love to treat you to some good Chinese food or something. Ooh, sounds good. Um, I would, right. I would love to to keep in touch. Um, and and I wish you well with your programs. I I I would love to to see your new book when it comes out. And, and I'll make to, sure to let Gail know because I'm sure she'll get in touch with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure as well. So thank you so much. And and I wish you all the best. And of course, thank you, my loyal listeners for tuning in each week, whether it's live or on the replay. And of course, if you did miss any part of today's show, you can always catch the replay at talkradio.nyc and on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, we're on all of them. And, uh, don't forget, stay tuned for later today for Frank's show, Frank About Health. Um, I believe uh, he's doing a rerun this week about talking with uh, our own engineer about DID. And of course, tomorrow we have our business show starting at 10 a.m. with Philanthropy and Focus and followed by Always Friday. Matthew is taking a bit of a hiatus with Intangify as he um, switches things up. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you all next week.
Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Were you an essential worker during the pandemic? If you needed to learn stages of epilepsy, did you depend on advocacy? Did you use new innovations to cope with mental and neurological issues? Maintaining high quality of life and keeping good mental health are what we all strive for. Logan, wrong room. I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health. And each week, influencers, professionals, and innovators answer these questions and more. Stay tuned on Thursdays at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. And I will continue to be frank about health with all of you. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Aspel, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.